0: Assalamu salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. Here we hope to convene discussions and conversations related to intellectual matters within the Islamic tradition and try to find a middle ground with many of the topics and try to further our understanding of the Islamic faith. Alhamdulillah, today I'm honored that we have Dr. Mustafa Khattab joining us. Um, he's the author of the, of the famous, the, the Clear Quran, which is a translation of the Quran. Um, he received his PhD, Masters and Bachelors in Islamic Studies uh, with honors from Al-Azhar University's Faculty of Language and Translation. Um, he has lectured uh, on Islam at Clemson University. He's held the position of a lecturer at Al-Azhar for over a decade, starting in 2003 and he served as a Muslim chaplain at Brock University. We're so excited to have you, Dr. Mustafa Khattab. Thank,
1: thank you. Al- thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. Um, you know, I, I really feel that, you know, on this podcast, we've been doing a number of, you know, remarkable discussions. We've been doing a number of book reviews, but all of the books that we've, we, we've discussed are nothing compared to the beauty of the Qur'an um and just you know i I, you know and just in my own personal life i've read you know a number of books hundreds of books but you know you know dr mustafa i i never want to come back and really read a book a second time and uh if i do the maximum i'll ever read it is a second or third time but the quran is one book that you just keep reading for the rest of your life and subhanallah I, i i don't know i don't know how to explain that
1: well, it's, you are right. The Qur'an is is like this uh, fountain of gems. And every generation, subhanAllah, you see from the time of Rasulullah uh he used to do tafsir of the Qur'an, explain the Qur'an to the sahaba. Uh, then you have some sahaba like Abdullah ibn Abbas and, and others who explained uh, the Qur'an. And then you have later generations, tabi'un and Till this day, every year, there is a new tafsir in the Arabic language. There is a new translation in the English language. So the, the, the book cannot be exhausted. You, you know, every generation will find gems that were not found by the previous generation. And a small uh, disclosure before we begin. The the translation, any translation is not actually the Quran. This is just like a tafsir and uh, explanation in another language, right? and no translation is perfect. It is just a human effort, a humble human effort to explain the divine. Mm-hmm. But if someone is able to, uh, to reflect on the Quran in the Arabic language, it's so powerful. Whereas someone like me who translated the Quran, you just capture one of the meanings. Uh, the Quran is so rich and the Arabic language is so powerful, but the English language, just like any other language for that matter is limited. Uh, in terms of the vocabulary that you can use uh, to reflect Mm -hmm. the meaning. And uh, I understand your feelings when you talk about the Quran in Arabic, the richness and the power that is usually lost in in translation. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is why we'll always have new translations to try to uh, fix or correct the understanding of some uh, previous translations to make the Quran more accessible, more relatable to people, especially those who live in the West. Uh, with the hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us the blessings of this book inshallah mm,
0: inshallah and you know a, a beautiful point that you mentioned is that you know the, when you, whenever you translate the Quran it's really an interpretation and so, I, I, I think really that's uh, because you know I've looked at a number of different translations I've seen the different words um, and uh, it's, you can see that even you know the beauty of the Quran is that every single word Allah put there for, for a specific reason. Right? There's a reason why Allah chose this word instead of this another word, correct? It's very true. Let me give you a,
1: an example to illustrate. Uh, at the beginning of Surah 30, Surah Al Rum, where mm-hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That the Romans have been defeated, but they will be victorious after in three to nine years. Uh, it says that they have been defeated fi Adnal ard Adna in the Arabic language has two meanings. It could mean the closest land because we're talking about the area of the Dead Sea, uh, Palestine, yeah. Lebanon in that area. So this was the closest land to Arabia compared to Turkey, India, China. So mm-hmm. that yeah. area, Sham, you know, is, is very close. Is the closest land to Arabia. But the word Adna could also mean the lowest. And if you go to the NASA website, they tell you that this area where the battle took place around the Dead Sea is the lowest point on the planet.
0: 418
1: meters below sea level. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have used the word Akrab, the closest, but he Mm -hmm. uses the word Adna to give you both meanings. And both of them are acceptable. And the examples are so many in the Quran.
0: SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. I never knew something like that. You know, the Arabic language, the, the, the Quranic Arabic language is that you know the one word has two meanings in both of them, there's, there's a specific reason for it. Yeah, true. Yes. Um, do, you, do you mind giving another example? Another example, the word Yameen. Yameen.
1: Like in the the word Yameen in the Arabic language has at least seven different meanings. Now the challenge is in some ayat in the Quran. Uh, More than one meaning can be understood from the ayah And all of them are acceptable For example In Surah Safat In the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam When he smashed the idols of his people Right? It says He started to smash them with his yameen So yameen could mean his right hand Right? It could mean with all of his power and might This is also another meaning for the word yameen Or it could be with the oath that he had taken, because an oath in the Arabic language means, you know, to take an oath, yameen, because usually they raise their right hand and they take the, the oath, yeah. uh, because he made an oath in the Quran, By Allah, I'm going to smash you. Mm-hmm. All of these three meanings are acceptable, and they can be understood from, from the ayah. So now when I translate the Quran, which one do I use? He smashed them with his right hand, or with all of his might, or with the oath that he had taken.
0: Mm, so gotcha. the
1: English language is so miskeen, so faqir. It cannot mm-hmm. reflect all of these different meanings,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, what, what, where did you go with? I use
1: right hand. So the standard that I set for myself, I usually use the first meaning that comes to my mind as an Arab when I read the Quran in Arabic. Okay. Right. So if it says, for example, do they not look at the ibl, you know, the camels, how they mm-hmm. were created. Some scholars say the ibl means uh, clouds, right? And so on and so forth. وَالنَّجْمُ uh, وَالشَّجَرُ the, the stars and the uh, trees bow down in submission to Allah. So some say it, it's not the stars in the sky, it means a certain type of plants or crawling Plants, right? Okay. So as an Arab, the first meaning that comes to my mind, al Najm is sama the, yeah. the stars in the sky. So yeah. usually I use the first meaning that comes to my mind as a native speaker of Arabic. Then okay. I put the secondary meanings in the footnote.
0: Okay. So so this is and this is a good question I want to ask now, Dr. Mustafa. Is in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um yeah you inna in that Allah created humanity in uh, in nations and tribes so that they can get to know one another the word that's used is sha'ab. Um what does Shar mean is it is it a specific like, in that context is nation referring to a tribe is it referring to like, what does it mean
1: so I think you're going to like this uh, dictionary the clear Quran dictionary mm, yeah which came about about a year ago so the Quran has 2,000 roots, believe it or not, 2,000 roots or words that are repeated in different forms okay. nouns, verbs, and particles. So now, when you go to the root Sha'aba, uh, which uh, you refer to in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuha inna khalaqnākum min dhakarin wa And this is in Surah 49, ayah number 13. So the root Sha'aba, it means to branch out. Hmm. So uh, f- uh, when you refer to a tree, uh, the, the uh, branch is called Shuba, right? So basically all of humanity, we came from the same seed. We came from Adam and Hawa, Adam and Eve, and we started to branch out into, you know, these tribes and nations and, and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's, it's very uh, metaphorical in, in the sense that we come from the same origin, then we branch out. But eventually, we go back to the same roots. We come Mm -hmm. from the same father and the same mother.
0: Hmm. So then, what's the difference between a tribe and a nation? Like, I think Abail is the word for a tribe. Uh, So in the
1: Arabic language, uh, usually we have Shu'ub is the bigger uh, branch. Qabila is a smaller one. Then you have "raht" your clan. Okay. Right? And yeah, so the clan, the qabila, the tribe, then you have the shu'ub. Okay. Like, for example, the Persians
0: mm-hmm.
1: are understood to be a shab. The okay. Romans, shab. The Arab, shab. The Chinese, shab. Right? Okay. Even though they might live in different countries now, like let's say the Arab in so many different countries, uh, the Romans, they live in different countries now. So this is called shab.
0: Okay. So, like the the people of the subcontinent would be one Sha'ab? Well,
1: you can call it an ethnic background, one okay. ethnic background. Whereas a tribe, uh, you can have the, uh, you know, this tribe, Tamim tribe. You have the Chaudhari tribe,
0: and you know, and so on okay. and so forth. Okay, so we have the level of clan, we have the level of tribe, and then the level of the nation. Sha'ab. Yes. Sha'ab. Okay. Okay. So uh, so Dr Mustafa can you give us one more example I'm just I'm so fascinated this 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 the example you gave of sham and sham being at the lowest because I, I I love surah rum it's one of yes. my, one of my favorite surahs I, I I think there's so many lessons even addressing our time today um uh with rum talks about you know I think the environmental uh, disaster you know al fasadu um it talks about these ayats about Allah placing love you know uh in, in marriage and then how all the sign, you know, the the, the skin colors of people, the, the tongues, all of these are just signs of Allah. So it's it's, it's a surah that I love. But um, can you give us one more example of the Quran using a specific word but it having multiple meanings?
1: Yeah, it's the, the examples are so many. Let me think of a, a good example. So we said the word yameen and Multiple meanings, multiple meanings. Yeah, like like the word, let's say for example, the word Samad. Usually the shorter ayat in the Quran, they are more difficult to translate because they're very packed. So when you translate, you have to unpack them. Mm-hmm. So in Surah Qulullah Ahad, Surah 112, uh, second ayah, Allahu Samad. So it could mean... Uh, the eternal it could mean the refuge that everyone needs it could mean the sustainer who provides for everyone but does not need provision from anyone mm. so you have all of these meanings so when you translate you just take one meaning and the rest you cannot capture in the english language you know mm.
0: yeah and it's you know for example if you look at the hans Weir dictionary for example and you go to one, one of these words You'll find it has like 10, 15, even 20 meanings. And I guess now as a translator, when you pick one, you're kind of limiting. Because for somebody who doesn't know Arabic, who reads it, they're thinking, okay, this is the only meaning when you, when you hear Samad, right? Yeah, like the
1: word Ayn, for example.
0: Ain, yeah. right? So it could mean an eye.
1: It could mean a spring of water. It could mean a spy. It could mean a property. It could mean so many different things. Right, Mm -hmm. so now when I did the clear Quran dictionary, of course, I referred only to the meanings that are understood from the Quran. Like the word "ain" in the Quran has two meanings: either the spring of water or it could mean the eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other meanings, like the property or the
0: spy, they are not used in the Quran, so we didn't use them in the book. Mm -hmm. And so, Doctor, so Doctor Mustafa, you know, in uh, when we look at Tafsir, there's there's kind of like Imam Al Ghazali said. There's two types of tafsirs. You kind of have um, a lahir meaning and you have a batin meaning, right? You have the outward and you have the inward. When you're doing something like of a translation, um, are are we just focusing on the like on the meanings that are lahir, or are we also focusing on the inward as well?
1: Yeah, several ulama and mufassirun they mention the same thing, and I think Imam Al Razi, the great, the giant mufassir. Um, He mentioned this concept and he said that the words are like people. So you have the physical body of the word and you have the ruh, the soul of the meaning, right? The soul of the word. So and this is why uh, the literal translations of the Quran, they are very problematic. When you just translate word for word using the dictionary. But when you look at the big picture, the meaning is very awkward and the examples are so many. Uh, like, for example, in uh, Surah Naml, uh, the ayah that says, muhum fil And some of the most popular, some of the common translations, they are very, like, in, in some places, the translations are actually very awkward, man. They don't mean nothing. So mm-hmm. this ayah, one of the most, if not the most popular translation, um, the way it has it, their knowledge of the hereafter has been arrested. Because it, it means to be confined, to be mm-hmm. put in the basement. So the way it was translated, their knowledge has been arrested regarding the hereafter. What, so what does the word have, arrest, you know, to, to mean with the word or the concept of the hereafter? It means that their knowledge of the hereafter has hit a rock bottom. Their knowledge is in the basement. Their knowledge amounts to nothing. This is what it means. Okay. So when they translate it in this awkward way, the meaning is lost, and you don't understand what the ayah mm-hmm. is all about. And the example examples are so many. And in, in many cases, because some of the translators, they don't... Um, let me see. When they translate, they focus on the, like, the word uh, unit, not mm-hmm. the ayah or the surah unit. So, for example, in Surah Ma'arij, uh, the Surah begins by talking about someone who challenges the Prophet ﷺ to bring about yawm al-qiyamah, because this challenger, he says that this day will never happen, this day is impossible, and so on and so forth. A few ayat later, it says, wa mm-hmm. kariba." They see it as far away or far off, but we see it very close by so it gives you the uh, impression that they believe that Al qiyamah is coming but it is taking too long. Mm-hmm, okay. Whereas the actual meaning is إنهم يرونه بعيدة, It's far-fetched. It's impossible. It will never happen. arahu kariba, We see it as inevitable. It will come for sure. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. So sometimes the translation will contradict each, each other. And this is why uh, it will contradict itself. And this is why sometimes when we go to Toronto, we do street dawah. Sometimes, you know, some missionaries, they use some of those old translations. Okay. Yeah, there is a contradiction here. And the Quran says, uh, <laughs> there, there, there are no contradictions in the book. And I tell them, dude, this is not the Quran. This is somebody's translation of the Quran. But if you go to the original, there's no contradiction.
0: <laughs> but the
1: translator sometimes contradicts himself
0: and I, I think dr musa this is a this is a big reason why you know growing up in my life i had i had great difficulty engaging the quran because the translations that i did have they you know they 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 weren't suiting me And you know you know and may allah you know reward them for the for their efforts but you know when i was reading it when i was 17 18 it just i wasn't getting the message and one of the most beautiful things about the clear Quran, and this is not only you know, my, my sentiments, but the sentiments of others, is that you, it's, it's a thematic translation of the Quran. And so it's not, here's one ayah, and then here's another ayah, and another ayah, but you, the ayahs that are related to one another, you've, you've put them together under one branch, saying this is talking about ungratefulness, and you have them all.
1: Yes.
0: And so for me, it was, it was a completely different way at reading the Quran when it was, it was structured in that format.
1: That's very true. Uh, So as I said at the beginning, no translation is perfect. Um, And the the reason why I think the clear Quran is more accessible uh, is uh, superior to, you know, some of the previous translations is because we stand on the backs of giants. So Mm -hmm. if uh, Abdullah Yusuf Ali or Pictol or... Um, Ahmad Zaki Hamad or Abdul Halim or Sahih International and others, if they didn't translate the Quran you know, I wouldn't have translated the clear Quran this way so I studied them, I learned from them, so I benefited from their good ways of translating things but I've seen that there are areas that need improvement Uh, uh, so this is what, you know where the Quran, the clear Quran comes in I try to improve some of those weaknesses and and shortcomings and maybe 20 years from today 30 years from today somebody will come and say you know the clear quran is not good enough we need to do the clearest quran ever or something you know so again because the language evolves right so you know in in the 1980s even when uh, muhammad asad when he translated the quran he still used thou and giveth and the shakespearean style and recent ones, uh, like the study Quran, the Layla Bakhtiar ones, and they still use some elements of old English. Because yeah. for some reason, I think many translators, they have this, I don't know, the wrong impression that the more complicated, the more sophisticated a, a translation is, the more sacred and holy it will look like. Because they want to resemble the, uh, the King James Bible you know, style. But you know, my motivation was the ayah from the Quran where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Surah Al-Qamar, We have made the Quran easy." So I don't understand why people make it so difficult and so complicated. Uh, because especially in this modern age, the age of TikTok, the age of you know the fast pace of life, you don't want to open the dictionary every minute or two. You just mm-hmm. want to read and get the essence of the message, and khalas, alhamdulillah, you know? Mm-hmm. So this is why I think, you know, making the Quran easy and accessible is is, is very important. And and this was very clear also when we did the uh, the clear Quran for kids. Uh, so mm-hmm. volume one was released two years ago. Uh, volume two would be released in about two months, inshallah, uh, in mm-hmm. the month of Ramadan. Oh. So over the next two, three years, We'll complete the whole set for kids. It will be four volumes in total to cover the whole Quran, inshallah, with stories and illustrations.
0: Inshallah. Yeah, I was just looking at the website and seeing you have, you know, you have stories, some lessons in it. So I think uh, for, for the children's edition, um, yes. but you're completely right, Dr. Mustafa. You know, some of the translations, they do resort to using um, classical English, which at times can be difficult and you know, there's a specific audience, I think, Dr. Mustafa, that would really benefit from that type of translation. You know, the very educated, um, you know, Anglo-Saxon people, I think for them, they could really relate to the... Like, for them, it would be a paradigm shift to see the Quran written in a way that, you know, the King James is written. Uh, but I think for, you know, for the average person, they just really want to know what it means, right? Just having something clear-cut that doesn't require too much work, that they can they can understand the verse... And then then they can do their tadabur, the reflection yes. on it. All right. Um, but Dr. Mustafa, you know, when I think about translating the Quran, I just wonder, you know, you know, our scholars say that when you're doing tafsir of the Quran, um, this is a huge endeavor because now you're saying this is what Allah is saying, right? Now, when you're translating the Quran, does, how big of a burden does it feel on yourself that you're translating the words of Allah into a completely different language and knowing that there's going to be a level of your interpretation in that translation
1: yes Uh, do you see the gray hairs over here (laughs) so I got those from translating the Quran I didn't have them before 2014 Uh, you know when someone and we're talking about the field of fatwa when when there is a mufti, they call the mufti al muqaa' the one who signs on behalf of Allah. If you give a fatwa,
0: yeah,
1: this is halal, this is haram. She is divorced. She is not divorced. So now, when you translate uh, an article from a newspaper and you make a mistake, what is the big deal? Mm-hmm. If if you're translating uh, the, the the news, uh, for example, this country made you know, $30 million uh, dollars in profit. But what if you make a mistake and you say they made $3 million profit, right? Mm. What is the big deal? Uh, if the weather today, if it's 18 degrees, you make a mistake and you say it's, it's 8 degrees. Okay, thank you. Uh, but now when you mistranslate an ayah from the Quran, uh, this is a big problem because now you're talking about the sharia, the understanding, the ibada, the practice, the apida, and so on and so forth. So in other words, when people read the translation, if there is a mistake or a contradiction, the people will think that this was done by Allah himself, not the translator. Yeah. And this is a very serious responsibility. Um, and this is why I think the translation has to be revised all the time. You get feedback from the people. You go through the translation, keep updating it. I've seen translations that were released Like 15 years ago 20 years ago And to the best of my knowledge No revisions have been done mm, Okay. This is not the Quran This is a translation So you need to keep revising it And improving it And refining the work and, and so on and so forth Because only the Quran in Arabic is perfect But as again no translation is perfect You need to keep updating it And refining it
0: mm-hmm. Subhanallah and, um, you know, I, I, I can imagine the, you know, the long nights, uh, you know, when you have your multiple, you have your Hans dictionary, your other dictionaries with you, you have all these other translations and knowing that every word in this translation, because if you're translating a classical text, um, you know, you, you, you can be, you can, you can, you can put your own opinion in there. You can uh, like a couple of different words you can add. It's, it's not a good thing, but you're translating a scholar's work, but when you're dealing with the words of Allah, you know, I can imagine every single word you have to has to be very calculated.
1: So very true. So I would say there are now we have about 150 to 170 English translations of the Quran because every year at least two, three new translations are released every single year. Hmm. Right. And so I read about 50, 70 of the but in full or in part Okay. then I studied about 40 different classes, <laughs> the old ones like Qurtubi, Tabari, Ibn Kathir Zamakhshari, <laughs> Kashaf Razi, Baydawi Al-Alusi and the new ones uh, like uh, like from Wizarat al awqaf like from Egypt Al-Muntakhab, okay. from Saudi from Qatar, from you know, Kuwait from uh, different countries. Um, So different ones. You read all of them and you try to understand the concept and you translate it uh, in an easy way that is accessible. But in the meantime, you have to be true to the original. Mm -hmm. Um, And you shouldn't use difficult words because you know that maybe youth would be reading it, non-Muslims would be reading it, and so on and so forth. And this is why... You know, for non-Muslims, I produced this one. We use the word God inside because non-Muslims can better relate to the word God. Mm -hmm. But for Muslims, we have the Arabic and English edition. And it has the word Allah inside because Muslims can relate. I
0: read read both and I never even caught that distinction.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the one for non-Muslims with the word God, it only has the English, no Arabic, you know. So we try to make it easy and relatable. We give them the historical background. We try to explain the controversial ayat in the footnote and, and so on and so forth. Just to make it easy. And, and And the Quran explains itself. And in the footnotes, we put also authentic hadith from Bukhari and Muslim to explain the reason why ayat were revealed, to give you the historical background and, and so on and so forth.
0: Hmm. And one of the things um, several people have told me, Dr. Mustafa, that they love Is that the beginning of the Quran? uh, The the beginning of of the book um, does not begin with the Quran, but rather you're explaining many of the many many of the topics of Islam, many of the quote unquote controversial topics like jihad and stuff. And for them, it really it really placed things into context. When they read read about these concepts, they understood them, and then they went out reading it, and then things started making sense.
1: Yeah, because a lot of, uh, you know, especially non Muslims, when they read the Quran, first of all, they think it's an autobiography of the Prophet, وسلم, right? Wow.
0: <laughs>
1: or they, because they come with the expectation that the Quran would be another Bible. Okay. Because the, the Bible is mostly, uh, you know, uh, uh, chronological from Adam السلام, moving forward with Musa, Ibrahim, and uh, then you end with the story of Isa in the New Testament and the so and so on and so forth. But this is not the case. Uh, so the the, uh, the Quran, there are stories and themes that are repeated all over the book, right? Because Allah subhanahu wa taala knows that not everyone will be able to read the whole Quran from cover to cover. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, whatever you read. In any page you will come across the fundamental message of Islam that there is only one God to worship Muhammad is his prophet you are here to do good eventually you will die and there is a second life and so on and so forth and Islam is the truth hmm. so no matter where you read in the Quran the beginning the middle the end same thing Allah is your Lord Muhammad is a prophet Islam is the truth there is a day of judgment hmm. right so this is very common in the Quran. All these themes are repeated to keep reminding you, reminding you that this is what it is. This is the reality. And this is where you'll be going when you leave this world.
0: SubhanAllah. One of our teachers told us that um, on every page of the Quran, there's a reminder of death. And it's, it's almost like the Quran is like one of the reasons, one of the aspects of the Quran is that it's a death meditation. But hearing what you said now subhanallah it, it, it things start to make even more sense that every page has the fundamentals that you need because i always believe cuz I I, I I had this question as well what you know the quran is is not is, is not chronological um uh and so the, the 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 thing that i i had difficulty was uh i mean the thing that i i realized is that the the main things are discussed in every surah Right? Because it's very difficult for someone to read a whole book back and yes. forth. Right, I've read the Quran many times, but a beginning from uh, from the beginning to the end, cover to cover, um, is, is is less unlikely compared to me just picking up a surah and saying, I want to read Surah Yasin today. I want to read Surah Turum today. And then when I read it, all the main aspects are there. Death is there. The talk about the Day of Judgment is there. Islam being the truth, worshipping Allah, proofs for the existence of God. We had uh Sheikh Hamza Karamalian and he said that you know the the proofs of Allah Wa Ta'ala's existence are on every page of the Quran it's not, it's not just on these handful of ayat. so i think that's a beautiful point subhanallah
1: alhamdulillah and we tried to highlight these main themes in the introductions of surahs and we also connected you know even though the Quran is not arranged in the mushaf uh, the way we have it now in a chronological order it was arranged uh, by the Prophet وسلم, based on instructions from Jibril salam and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, but all the surahs are connected from the beginning to the end, and mm-hmm. this is very clear from the uh, surah introductions in the in the book.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one of uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read um, Mulana Islahi's uh, Tadbeer Quran. Um, Not the whole book. I've read okay. you know bits and pieces. Okay, because because uh, I mean. It, because when I was reading just some of his work, so Mulana Islahi, for those who don't know, was a great scholar of the subcontinent who wrote his tafsir of the Quran, the Dabur Quran. And uh, one of the objectives was he wanted to understand the order, the Nadam in the Quran. Because, like you, like, like you know, the common perception that people have of the Quran is that it's not in order, it's just, you know, it be, they know because it's not in chronological order, they think it's just random.
1: Yes. Right? Whether it's
0: the verses, whether it's, um like whether it's the the surahs in their order or the verses and what Mulana islahi does is he proves that the quran has a deep ordering inside of it and it's it's interesting now dr mustafa when i when i read the quran uh, i'll give you an example in surah yunus um you know the story of yunus salam, is a prophet who you know in his darkest moments you know in the well you know when he had no one to turn to he called upon allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help um and while I'm reading Surah Yunus, there's these, there's many ayats where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about how when people are on a ship or when people are in hardship, they turn to Allah because they have nobody else. And then my mind can connect all of it and say, subhanAllah, why are these in Surah Yunus? Why is this related to Surah Yunus, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, very true. Alhamdulillah. And also uh, Abdul Hamid Al-Farahi from the subcontinent has also made amazing contributions. Uh, SubhanAllah, and this is something that you can uh, reflect on in the future, inshallah. From what I have seen, and this is reflected in the uh, translation, all the surahs are connected. And there are twin surahs, like surah Tawbah, surah Anfal, they're twins. Mm -hmm. Safat and Sad, twins. Uh, You have surah Rahman and Waqa, twins. Uh, duha al inshirah twins. This is very common in the Quran. So one surah will give you half of the... Narrative and the second one will complete the narrative, and so right. on and so forth. And surahs will end with a theme, and the next one will complete that theme. Uh, like let's say, for example, the end of Isra and the beginning of Kaf. Yeah. The same concept, <laughs> the ending of Surah Hajj 22, it talks about. And so on and so forth. And the beginning of, uh-huh. of same concept, and, and so on and so forth. So, this is very, uh, very profound. Uh, and of course, you probably heard of the uh, circular composition. Uh,
0: yes. Of, yeah.
1: Yes. And this is one aspect. Uh, there is also another aspect, like. You will find a theme running through each surah, and I have checked a number of them. Like surah Baqarah, you will see the concept or the word rock, 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 rock throughout the surah. And surah Yunus, you will see the word water running through the surah. From the beginning, it talks about the rain. Then it talks about the uh, the ship in the ocean and the storm, and it talks about. It talks about water again. And there are three stories that are mentioned in the in the surah, only three stories, all of them end in the with the water.
0: SubhanAllah.
1: So, for example, the story of Nuh, the flood, the story of Musa, with the drowning of Pharaoh. You have the story of Yunus in the belly of the whale. Hmm. So the most common theme or word that I have seen in Surah Yunus, water. And all the stories in the surah, they deal with water. So there's something very interesting about, you know, all of these things. Subhanallah.
0: Subhanallah. Mm, you know, one of our one of our teachers, um, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, he did uh, he trans he was translating "فَلَا أُقْصِمُ بِمَوَاقِعِ النُّجُومِ وَإِنَّهُ لَقَصْمُ اللَّوَاتِ عَلَمُونَ عَظِيمٍ إِنَّهُ لُقُرَانٌ كَرِيمٍ" in Surah and it's very interesting how he translated "فَلَا أُقْصِمُ بِمَوَاقِعِ النُّجُومِ." He said, "I swear by the position of the stars." Yes. And he says when you study astronomy, um, when you haven't studied astronomy and you look at the stars, nothing makes sense. Everything is in a random order. He said, but when an astronomer explains it to you you, you, you realize that every single star is in a specific position and it must be there. And he said the same thing is with the Quran, that the Quran has an extremely deep nadam, a deep order. But it takes, it takes time for you to penetrate that. And he says that the great books and literature um many of them uh well, he says in, in today in 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 many books today uh you can read the book on the first glance and you'll you'll understand it and the second or third time you read it you'll start to find some mistakes yes see, but with the Quran it's the complete opposite the more you read it the more things start making sense the more these parallels like like sometimes uh Dr Mustafa the Quran will explain stories of prophets and you look at it and you'll see that all of the stories end in the exact same wording sometimes. Yes. Let me give you another level of uh, tadabbur. And
1: I've given some examples in part two of the Clear Quran for Kids. And I think this will uh, blow your mind away. Uh, You know, many of the names that are used in the Quran, like Yusuf and Ishaq and Yaqub, these are not Arabic names. These names come from other languages, right? Because these prophets, they lived in other lands. They spoke other languages and so on and so forth. Uh, so I read this book. Uh, let me give you the name of the book. Uh, so the author, basically, he traced all the words, the non-Arabic words in the Quran, the words that come originally from, you know, other languages. Yeah. So his name is Dr. Raouf Abu Sa'dah. He's Egyptian. And he he, he bases this book about the non-Arabic names in the Qur'an, uh, which was published in 1993. So the concept here is, and I checked, and and this is amazing. So the way he puts it in the book, that every time you see a non-Arabic name given in the Qur'an, the Qur'an will give you the meaning of that name in its original language. So for example, Ibrahim... Uh, the word Ibrahim in the language of Aramaic, which is a Semitic language like Arabic and Hebrew, and so the word Ibrahim means uh, a role model. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Inna Ibrahim akana ummatan." Ibrahim was a role model. Uh, An easier example: You read in Surah Hud, ayah seventy-one, "Wa mraatuhu qaaimatun fadhakat, fa bisharnah bi ishak, wamin wara yaqub." Right? So both the meanings of Ishaq and Ya'qub are given in the ayah without you even realizing it. So Sarah, the mother of Ishaq, was standing there, the wife of Ibrahim, alayhi salam. She smiled and the angels gave her the news of the birth of Ishaq. So Hmm. what does her smiling have to do with the name Ishaq? Because Ishaq in Hebrew is like yatḥaq in the Arabic language. It means the smiling one. She mm. smiled. We gave her the news of a smiling son. And wa ishaq. And after ishaq, ya'qub, the word min it means the one who comes after. Right? Musa is not the name of Musa alayhi When they found him in the basket, he didn't have a name tag. So yeah. Pharaoh and his wife, they named him Musa. And Musa means... Little boy. And when Fir'aun addresses Musa in the Quran, he says, Alam وَلِيدًا Didn't we raise you among us as a little boy?
0: Right.
1: Ismail, when you read ayat in like Surah Ibrahim and Surah Baqarah, when Ibrahim alayhi talks about Ismail, the ayah ends with Inna Rabbi Sami'u du'a. Because Ismail, it means that Allah listens to dua. Because Ismail was the response and so on and so forth. The examples are so many. Fir'aun, for example, Fir'aun means the big tower, the high palace in the ancient Egyptian language. So you read in the Quran, Fir'aun said to Haman, Build me a big tower. So the, the meanings are always provided in there. Zakaria is the one who makes ذِكْر ذِكْرُ رَبِّكَ عَبْدَهُ زكريا, right? and so on and so forth it's, it's, very, uh, it's very interesting if you read the book I've given several examples in the part 2 of the pure Quran for Kids
0: Subhanallah it's, so, so is, is the argument that the scholar is making that all of the non-Arabic words the meanings are within the Quran
1: within the ayah where they are mentioned Subhanallah it's mentioned in a subtle way that you, you don't even realize
0: Subhanallah. And
1: there is another aspect of tadabbur because I think th- this is very important because, you know, when people read the Qur'an, they just read it like a newspaper. You don't come up with these things. You have to do a lot of tadabbur and a lot of tafakkur to, to see the amazing beauty of, of of the Qur'an. Like, for example, you read Surah Kaf 18. So at the be- in the first story, it has four stories. The first one talks about the youth in the cave, right? Yeah. At the beginning of the first story, it poses the question mm-hmm. to see which of the two teams gave a better estimation of how long they stayed in the cave. So you see the word ahsa at the beginning of the story, it means how long they stayed. Then at the end of the story, it says, Labithu means stayed at the beginning of the story. Then you see the word Labithu at the end of the story of the youth in the cave. So Labithu stayed at the beginning of the story. Labithu at the end of the story. How many words between Labithu stayed at the beginning and Labithu at the end of the story? 309 words. That's the number of years they stayed in the cave.
0: Subhanallah. <laughs>
1: Another one. If you read Surah Nuh, the story of Nuh alayhis is mentioned all over the Quran, right? In so many yeah. different places. But Surah Nuh in Juz Tabarak uh, is the only one that focuses on the da'wah techniques of Nuh alayhi salam, inviting them publicly, secretly, individually, in groups, and so on and so forth. How long did Nuh alayhi how long he invited people to Islam? For how long? 950 years. If you count the Arabic letters in Surah Nuh, 950 Arabic letters. Allah. So I don't think this is a coincidence. Like this is something that was done intentionally. And the Prophet ﷺ could have never done something like this. Mm -hmm. You know, all these scientific references, how the baby develops in the mother. The fact that the area around the Black Sea is the lowest point on earth. And even the Qur'an correcting mistakes in the Bible. uh, The Prophet ﷺ could not have done something like this. For example, in the story of Yusuf ﷺ in the Bible, Joseph it says that the ruler of Egypt in the Bible, it says that the ruler was a pharaoh. Yeah. yeah. The Quran says it was a king. And mm-hmm. if you check the Jewish encyclopedia, it says that the ruler of Egypt at the time of Yusuf a.s., Joseph was one from the invading Hyksus who were kings, not pharaohs. So the Quran even corrects the, the Bible when it comes to
0: historical facts. And I, I love that in your in your translation you mentioned that as a footnote. Yes. So subhanAllah, you know, this this idea of you know of non Arabic names being in the Quran and the fact that uh, every single time it's mentioned, um, in the same ayah, there's some th- the meaning of that name is mentioned in something which, like you said, I need to do a lot of Tadabur on. <laughs> yes, very um, true. It, but this book that you reference, uh, has it been translated into English or no? No, it's to
1: the best of my knowledge, it's only in Arabic. Okay.
0: It's two volumes, like about
1: <laughs> it's it's about eleven 1, hundred pages. Subhanallah, yes, Subhanallah,
0: and it's, and you know the same thing as with you know Mulana Islahi's Tafsir, multiple volumes. I think Imam Razi's Tafsir, I think, is like twenty volumes, um, and so you know it's it's the one thing that I'm finding so fascinating is, as the more we're going into the Quran, the more you're beginning to realize you don't know, and like yes. and that the Tafsirs that we have on it. So and this is another thing that Shaykh Hamza said he really believes that all of the tafsirs that we have on the Quran still are just a drop in the ocean of the knowledge of the Quran
1: very true one of them mufassirun his name is ibn ajiba yeah. he did a volume on surah fatiha about 600 700 pages on surah fatiha surah fatiha is like 3 4 lines so this is like subhanallah there are hundreds of tafsir hundreds of translations in different languages and none of them cannot claim to have captured the essence of the Qur'an, like, oh, uh, this is the standard. No. Uh, to, till Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the Qur'an would be like the beacon of light and all these translators and all of those Mufassirun would be learning from the Qur'an. And subhanAllah, like, every Mufassir has a specialization, like Az-Zamakhshari, his specialization was linguistics and Arabic. Yeah. Qurtubi, he focused on Uh, On uh, fiqh, and another uh, translator, uh, mufassir will focus on another aspect, like the historical aspect. One one will focus on the hadith that explain the ayat. Another uh, tafsir will focus on the ayat explaining other ayat, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. There is not a book that I know of in human history who has been memorized or studied. Or translated or explained like the
0: Quran. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, Subhanallah. One of the things I love about the history of of the Islamic civilization is never in history did they hide the Quran from the average person. They always made it accessible to people. But when you study Christianity, when you study Hinduism, those two in particular, their texts were really for just the elite. You know, the average person didn't. You know, wasn't really allowed to read these texts though for the for example the, the vedas and the hindu tradition one had to you know spiritually clean himself for decades before he could be able to read the text Sikhism has the same thing but the quran has always from day one just been accessible to the people and i think one of the objectives of the Clear quran that you've succeeded in mashallah you know is that the everybody has access to the, my, my brothers read it and my brother's you know they've they've had trouble with other with other uh, translations, but when I gave them the clear Quran, it was one that they were easily able to read and understand. And actually, Subhanallah, you know, for the permission of Allah, they finished cover to cover.
1: Alhamdulillah. May Allah accept and may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala make it easy and bless us with the barakah of the Quran.
0: I mean, I mean, Dr. But the last thing I just want to ask you is, um, um, what advice can you give to people who? you know they have a Quran they love the Quran but just you know the way life goes you just get so busy and you just you know you just forget about the Quran but what advice would you get to recommend to 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 inspire people to just dedicate even 5 10 15 minutes to the Quran
1: yes my advice is uh, when you buy a phone or a laptop or you buy a, uh, a car usually it comes with a manufacturer's manual right You don't take the manual and you throw it away, right? So this is how I look at the Qur'an. The Qur'an is your manual from your manufacturer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created you, who gave you this manual. This is the book of life. It shows you how you can function in the best way, how you can maximize the benefit of your life here in this dunya as a traveler. Because as we say, you know, life is very short. So you make the best out of your life here. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you that this is good for you, do it. This is bad for you, stay away from it. Right? So when you come to the Qur'an with this mentality, that this is your manual, you cannot function in the best way without this book. This was given to you by the one who created you, who knows you better than you know yourself. Hmm. So if you are able to read the Qur'an in Arabic, alhamdulillah. If you're not, you can listen to translation or you can listen to the recitation. Um, Do tadabbur, reflect on the Qur'an and seek knowledge. If you cannot understand the Qur'an on your own, seek knowledge from scholars, reliable people. Not anyone can do tafsir or a translation of the Qur'an because this is a specialization. You cannot just go to a guy who is sitting in the streets of Vancouver with a sign that says, I'm a doctor, handwritten sign, and you just go... So they can operate on you. Nobody will trust this guy with their physical body. How okay. would you trust your iman, your faith, uh, put your faith on, on based on something that, that is that is not done in, in the right way? Uh, we say in, in Urdu, Neem hakim khatra jaan, neem mulla khatra iman. Half a doctor is dangerous to your health or life and half a scholar is dangerous to your faith. So make sure that you seek knowledge of the Qur'an through reliable scholars who studied for years, who, who have been you know uh, trained to explain and understand the Qur'an and so on and so forth. And once you understand the Qur'an, if you can do hiv, alhamdulillah. If not, at least study the tafsir or the translation and start to apply it to your life. Live your life according to this book. Uh, yeah, so this is my nasiha to you. Think about the Qur'an as the book of life. Not the book of dead, the dead that you read when someone dies. Because Allah says in Surah Yasin, mankana This book is a reminder to those who are truly alive. Hmm. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the barakah of this book and to bless us with the proper understanding. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Amin.
0: Ameen, Ameen. Jazakumullah khairan, Dr. Mustafa. We, we appreciate your time. We'd love to have you again in the future. You know, the... You know, if we can, if we can slowly try to unravel at some of the secrets of the Quran, I think it would really give us a better appreciation for the fact that this book could not have been created by a human, but that it itself is the the literal word of God Almighty, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So, Jazakum Allah
1: khair for inviting me. It's my pleasure.
0: Jazakum Allah And, Doctor Mustafa, and uh, you know, despite that Urdu proverb, Doctor Mustafa is Egyptian. So. <laughs>
1: I'm from Egypt but I love biryani so much and this is why me I, cheer I speak fluently. <laughs>
0: <laughs> alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Um but Jazakum Allah and Dr. Mustafa, inshallah we look forward to having you soon again. I encourage everybody to look at the clear Quran. It's something which has had a profound impact on myself and I'm sure that if you if you if you are wanting to establish a stronger relationship with the Quran um, and you don't know Arabic. Then I think the Clear Quran is something that you would you would be highly interested in. So yeah, go to
1: our website theclearquran.org. Theclearquran.org.
0: Okay, inshallah, and we will, we will put the link uh, in the description and comments so people will see inshallah. it. Inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan, Dr. Mustafa. Uh, take care, everybody. Salamu alaikum, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.